Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man on the Post European Football Podcast Episode 2. I'm your host James Rowe and once again I'm joined by Scott Munro. Good evening Scott, how are you? Good evening James, I'm very well, thank you, how are you? Very well, thank you. Nice to have you back on our new pod that we very much enjoyed our debut last week. Oh yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was good to uh, stick our teeth into the European game. Yeah, absolutely, really enjoyed it. We're now back for Episode 2 to make uh, European football fans very happy once again. And we're going to start tonight by talking about the situation that AS Monaco find themselves in. What's your What's your opinion regarding the uh, the Mon- Monegasque and the Principality and the, the situation they find themselves in? Uh, it's a bit of a dire situation, and if um, I've got, I made some notes when I was on my lunch today, and if I can read my own handwriting, it'd be absolutely wonderful. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, one win all season, which uh, evidently came on the open day of the season away at Nantes when they won three one, mm-hmm. and as you can imagine, it was looking quite good at, at the start of the season. But ever since then, they haven't won any games at all, and every season they seem to get rid of their best players and I'm just wondering if this season was a little bit too far where they they, they sold the, the two midfielders in Fabinho and um, in Matinho both to the Premiership mm-hmm. and they got a ridiculous amount of money for, for uh, Fabinho who's now in Liverpool um, which it will get games he's just getting acclimatised to Liverpool's new system under Klopp and Matinho's having a lovely time at Wolves with uh, Ruben Neves and um it's just not working for Jardim at the moment. Um, I was just going through the tactical changes they've done this season. He's played four systems. Mm-hmm. So at the, at the weekend against Ran, Stad Ran, when they mm-hmm. lost two one at home, they they played a, th- a, a back three, and um, one of their centre halves, um, Andrea Raggi, got in, the Italian centre back yeah. or and right back, got himself sent off for uh, punching Clement Grenier yeah. um, while. Try and uh, attack in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went to back three for that game. They also played a back three against Borussia Dortmund, which they got beat three uh, 0 They've gone. They played four two three one, a four four two, and then a four one four one alongside the three four one two. So it looks like Jardim is not set on a system he wants to play with the players he got. Unlike a couple of years ago, where they won the league playing that excited brand of, of attacking football in a in a four four two where. Mbappe and Falcao were up top with Valerie Germain mm. as like the third attacker off the bench and he had Bernardo Silva, Thomas Lamar, um, Bakayoko, Matinho, mm. Fabinho in midfield. So it just looks like that settled side from a couple of years ago is just being broken up and Jardim is pretty much struggling to get the right system with the players he's got. If you're tinkering, it's not it's not working. 
No, and if you compare two years ago when they were tri- uh, triumphant in the French League, they had uh, 14 different scorers in terms of how the goals were being bagged in. Uh, there was a lot more. Um, there was a lot more endeavour. And um, you know, Jardim has been in charge for just um, uh, four years, and he's uh, had a fantastic start. I remember going to watch Arsenal Monaco in London in 2015, and everybody under underestimating Monaco, claiming that Arsenal were going to win four nil, but conveniently forgetting that uh, Monaco had topped a group with Bayer Leverkusen, Benfica, and Zenit St Petersburg. And they took Arsenal to school. They, uh, yeah. it was it, although I was disappointed with the defeat, um, I marvelled at the way uh, Monaco was set up. They, you know, Dira, Fabinho, they had Berbatov back then, Subasic making uh, making good saves too. And um, I think that the the struggle to the start this season can be traced back to I think they recruited ten players over the summer. Yes, and, and I think they they got rid of maybe just the same or a little bit more yeah and and the recruitment i think is just gone it's just tipped the scales just a little bit too much and i know that the owner uh, the russian owner they have is um is heavily involved with the club in terms of uh, living in monaco rubelev and uh, you know being heavily involved with the charity work the club do and 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 the youth set up and um, I just I, and I mean, if you look at the environment, they're training at La Derby Centre. It's it's, it's it's paradise, really. Who wouldn't want to play for that club? Who wouldn't want to sign for that club? But I just think there's been too there's been too much of an overhaul, really. I I read reports that Shadim has got to worry about his job, but I don't I don't think that's wise. It's not wise for for Monaco to fire Shadim, in my opinion, Scott. Because if you look at the managers they've had in the past with Deschamps. Claude well and now Jardim they've all been a fantastic fit for the club and it's all brought success and um, I don't believe that a, a turnover of a new manager is going to help them I think if they leave um, if they leave Jardim to, to find out what system is best for these players I think you'll see an improvement it's uh, I mean obviously they're now they're now in the, in the doldrums in the final relegation place um, after a, after nine games having lost four of their last six league games but it's a long old season as we know only too well I, I can see them um, climbing out of danger within the next maybe five to six games but I watched the highlights of um, of the game against Ren and uh, I'd actually been sent off for clouting uh, yeah. and also his face when he found out that the referee actually saw what he did yeah. it was, it was that that said uh, that said an awful lot and I thought the amount of space they gave it in I mean for Ben Arthur's goal it was a fantastic strike but for no one to go anywhere near him and to let him unleash a shot on his left peg it just it just goes to show, but I mean, the club has always had a, a fantastic youth policy, you know, with uh, Teresa Gay and Henri, and, and recently with um, with Kylian Mbappe, and I'm sure they'll rise again. I think it's just, uh, I think it's, just, I think the turnover has just been far too much, and um, I think they'll, um, I think they'll get out of danger and slowly creep up. But obviously, they're not, they're not going to challenge for a title. I think the best they can hope for. In terms of the season ongoing domestically, is to maybe maybe have a push to qualify for Europe, or or maybe win one of the one of the domestic cups, perhaps. Well, there is two domestic cups. You've got the French League Cup and the French Cup, and also they've they've, they've lost both their Champions League games, mm. evidently against one of the best sides in Germany and, and one of the best sides in 
in Spain against Atletico Madrid, who won at Monaco, and then then they went to Borussia Dortmund and got uh, beat three 0 But yeah, I agree, James. It just seems like it's it's like too much too soon, mm. maybe this season. But they don't sit in 18th, which is the now the relegation playoff. Yeah. So if you finish in that position, you'll play the third in Ligue 2. So that's, it's like what they do in Germany and yeah. what they do in in Holland and uh, other European countries. But yeah, it's just if they get rid of Jardine, they're talking about Thierry Henry. And oh, no, no, if I was a Monaco fan, I'd be very worried because no. Henry is linked with a Villa job as well. Yeah, and maybe I'm I'm not that old Scottish, you know, but I'm maybe a bit old-fashioned. If you're an aspiring manager, to start your very first job. At that club, it, it it's a big ask. It's a, it really is a big ask. I mean, I don't know if it's football in general, but I find myself wondering from time to time. Years ago, you'd have managers that start really, really low down and build themselves up, and every time they would make a step up to a to a bigger club somewhere along the line, it would always be seen as a reward. And now, and now you get the feeling that the club that. Players that are just about finished playing, and and they harbour ambitions to manage the, some of the biggest clubs in Europe. And the ambition is fine, but you've also got to be realistic. You're actually yeah. managing human beings, and you're managing players, and it's completely different to playing, of course. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Could not agree more. And uh, we will now move on, Scott, to O Clasico between FC Porto and Benfica, the biggest game in Portugal, featuring the two biggest clubs in Portugal from the two biggest cities in Portugal. This was won in Estadio de Luz, 1-0 by Benfica. Swiss player Sverevic scoring a, a, a very, very tidy finish. Um, this game is highly charged. Both teams don't really like one another. I know we touched on I know we touched on derbies in our previous yes, pod, we did. <laughs> and we thought we'd follow it on with a derby, which is not really that well known outside of Portugal. But it is a it is a derby derby to behold. I've only ever seen it on television, but I know that both clubs have a distinct dislike for one another. On the head to head, FC Porto are leading with ninety two victories to um, to Benfica's eighty seven. But I must say, for Benfica, this is a timed win, especially at home to the to the arch enemy, and it puts them back on the top of Liga Sagres, and no doubt they'll launch another assault on a uh, Portuguese title, and we will see how that will go. But I also thought with the, it's also interesting they have Rui Vitoria, who's, uh, whose stock is quite high in Portugal, and uh, the former Lazio winger Sergio Conceição is uh, is the manager of uh, FC Porto, so you've got. Uh, box office there and uh, I just thought we could shine a light on this uh, on this derby for the fans of European uh, football um, who listen to Man on the Post yeah when Sergio Consasau left his job in Nantes to take this job at, at Porto mm-hmm. if my memory serves me right um, what on the game um, the goal scorer Severovic the, he missed an absolute sitter in the first half where I thought if he would have he should have scored it was such a horrible miss on one on one and um, oh, it, it, he's got that in him. He's not known as a regular goal scorer because he's not well known for scoring quite a lot internationally either. Mm-hmm. I don't think he scored that many internationally for Switzerland. He's more just oh, they struggle with forwards. That's what I saw when he plays for them and in Europe. But 
what I got from the game was the atmosphere was amazing. Mm. Like before kickoff, you got the port. The, the, it's not the Porto fans, the Benfica fans, just glaring up an atmosphere, and it was just wonderful. Um, but there was not many real chances in the game. I looked at the stats for the whole game. There's only three shots on target. Mm. Yeah, so it's all, it's always a cagey affair. Um, I was um, I lean a bit more towards Benfica than Porto. I'm not here to. Uh, to um to dislike any Porto fans, but I've only ever visited Lisbon about six years ago, and I did the tour of the Estadio de Luz, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful football stadium, and obviously with the rich history that um that Benfica have, they're one of the first European clubs that I ever um got to notice really when they knocked my team Arsenal out of the 1991 European Cup. And, uh, that, that, looks, that long ago yeah but I was a very very young boy at the time and I remember watching both legs and then reading the name Benfica I also have the match programme of that uh, of that home leg I didn't go myself but a friend got it for me and I still have it in my collection but it, it, Benfica are a huge club absolutely gargantuan really really big and um, I must recommend as well um, for all fans of, uh, of European football and Portuguese football if you are in Lisbon and uh, you have some uh, spare time, I would recommend that you uh, take the Benfica tour because it's uh, it's a world-class stadium and uh, it's uh, a club with rich history and uh, could fill a couple of hours if you're a football fan and about learning uh, learning about a club which has an awful lot to give. Is it um, worth the money? Is it quite a lot? Or is it just like reasonably, reasonably priced? It's reasonably priced. I can't really remember, remember how much I paid, actually. Uh, I think it w- might have been about twelve euros, possibly. Oh, I'd have to. That's have to, actually not too bad. Uh, no, it was, but the, the, it was, um, it was led by a curator who was extremely passionate about uh, about Benfica, and obviously mentioned about the the disdain to FC Porto, and obviously uh, also uh, Lisbon rival Sporting. Sporting, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a huge uh, institution, really. You know, it goes uh, beyond football in some cases, and. Uh, yeah, it's just a massive club, and um, yeah, I just thought that um, you know I'd pass on the information to uh, to man on the post European football fans that if they uh, if they fancy that in Lisbon, then uh, I would advise them to take them up, take uh, to take uh, to take that chance because uh, they certainly won't regret it. Ah, seems like a very good idea to do. Indeed. Um, and let's uh, carry on about the Benfica Porto. Um, what, what were your impressions of FC Porto in that game, Scott? Um, I think they struggled to break down Benfica, even though Benfica were down to ten men for probably two of the most stupid yellow cards you will probably see this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. In um, in Christian, is it Christian Lerma? Um, I'm just trying to find out what his name is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second one we were kicking a player halfway up in the end. The first one was just like a stupid chance. And they could have nicked it right at the end with a Yassine Brahimi shot, but when he broke in from the le- uh, from the left and curled it just wide. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really offer much else into that. But it, they will go high, go actually back back home and into the international break a bit downbeat and disheartened not to get anything out of this game because you, you never want to lose a derby game it's just like it's probably one of the worst feelings in football apart from getting relegated mm-hmm. well I, I think as well I think Porto I think I think that um, Benfica obviously the stronger of the two this season in Portugal I also have a keen eye on Sporting Lisbon's uh, current progress considering I'll be watching them live against Arsenal in November 
but I think that um, I think that um, I think Porto I think they're in good hands under Sergio Conceição I've uh, read some reports in Portugal that he's a real box office in terms of um, press conferences and, and quotes and things like that and uh, he's also very young he's only 43 years old and he's been managing for for quite some time already so he's built up good experience and as you said as you said good years in, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt no it's not to worry not to worry um, I think he was highly wanted by Lazio hmm. last summer when the whole ordeal with uh, the now Leeds manager Bielsa yeah. and that came into fruition because he left after two days but they went for Simone Inzaghi and like Conte Shah went to Mm. I think he's been to another club in in France. I'm thinking maybe Bordeaux, and then he's done well in Portugal. And he's just a, an up and coming manager. He's a good player back in the day. Done well in, in Europe. Had a fine so, career. Yeah, one well Serie A as well. Yeah, with Lazio, yeah. and then done well at Inter, and yeah. One of Sven's boys. Well, yeah, I think he, I think the intelligence he had as a player as well. I remember watching him in uh, in Euro 2000, giving England a torrid time in that in that oh, three-two yeah. victory. And I think it says it says a lot as well, you know, for, to leave a, a decent club in 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 nonce after only one season. Uh, but I suppose when a club of that magnitude comes calling for you, you you can't um, yeah. you can't turn it down. And I also think that Conceição is very intelligent, obviously. And um, yeah, I think it's a real good fit. I think both clubs have have, have a great fit in terms of managers, and they'll give them uh, a reign to manage for an awful long time. And uh, as I say, I think this time uh, Benfica have come out on top. Naturally, Porto will be uh, will be disappointed. But um, yeah, it's a derby that I would much uh, I would very much advise European fans of European football to to have a look at because it, it's it's maybe not the most uh, prevalent derby that you hear about, but it's certainly a ferocious one. Yeah, it's one of the, probably a very good derby in European football terms to watch and probably in world football terms as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. We are going to now continue to talk uh, about another huge, massive European club that are stuttering at the moment in the name of Bayern Munich. They, uh, they lost 3-0 at home to Mönchengladbach and having drawn with Ajax midweek, uh, Ajax were priced at 8-1 to one to draw that game in Munich, which I backed, by the way, living here. And uh, people called me crazy. They said, they said what, what are you doing? I said, it's just one euro of my money. But it, uh, it managed to get me an eight euro return, which was quite nice. But I had confidence, I had confidence that Ajax would get a point uh, in Munich uh, in the last Champions League match. And um, they could have very well won the game. And Bayern Munich have done themselves no favours by the next Bundesliga game to have a match where they lost 3-0 at home to Mönchengladbach. And they are currently in the table in sixth position, having lost their last two domestic Bundesliga matches. Yeah, it's like three, three games without a win in all competitions. Actually, four, because they drew with Augsburg in the last week uh, the midweek action which they call the they call it the English week yes. um, because of midweek action they drew one at home one all with Augsburg and then they lost to Hertha Berlin drew with Ajax and lost uh, against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach which I watched the highlights today on my lunch and then watched a, a tactical analyst video on, on the game and it's they actually, Bayern Munich actually set up quite well in defence and in attack, mm-hmm. but it was just three 
mistakes by players you wouldn't advise making mistakes probably for the second goal you, as, in, in Manuel Neuer and Thiago because Thiago got caught out on, on the ball and Neuer played it out from the back which he tends to do as, as he is a sweeper keeper mm. and most keepers now do in Europe when they tend to play the ball out and Thiago is probably your best option because he's your playmaker and he's a very very intelligent player and he's very very good on the ball and he can pick out a pass out of nowhere but he got put, caught out on the ball and then um, just Gladbach went 2-0 up and it was just stunned silence and Gladbach just took their chances um all three goals were just horrible mistakes. The first one, Nicholas Sula did not uh, track his man, did not track player, Alison Player, who uh, has done quite well since his move from France to Germany. And for the third goal, Leon Goretzka misjudged the header and then Patrick Herman had all the time in the world to um, to take his chance. But it's, it's not looking good for Kovac. And it's just, I'm just reading stuff like earlier today that he could be fighting for his job already. And we're only seven games in. Well, actually, nine or 10 if you count the the two European games and then the DFB Pokal game and this, that's not the best idea for him because he just recently joined from Eintracht Frankfurt and he's just trying to implement his style and I really don't want to be calling Heinkers again because that could be like the fourth time <laughs> going, going to him and he's in his 70s and you don't want to be relying on him all the time no, I think Bayern Munich missed a trick in not hiring Julian Nagelsmann when you had the opportunity. Yes. I yes, really, I really, agree. I really do. And I stated at the start of the season that I have nothing against Niko Kovac, but you have to be, to put it politely, a difficult man to be able to undertake the job of managing Bayern Munich. This is a team that has won twenty-eight Bundesliga titles, and if you look at uh, Kovac's managerial career he started out in the academy of Salzburg managed Croatia obviously won the cup with Eintracht Frankfurt last season but to go from that to a club who has 28 Bundesliga titles has won the German cup 18 times and the Champions League is, um, 5 times as well it's a it's a huge step and I'm not entirely convinced I think um, I think to give a metaphor if he was buying a jacket I think he's picked the wrong size where this job is just a little bit too big for him. So he's probably got two sizes too small. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I, I just think as well, I, I can see Bayern Munich being ruthless because they are ruthless. Yeah, uh, they are ruthless. very ruthless. And well. I can see them giving him an opportunity, but Ajax fancy their chances, especially in the home leg against Bayern Munich. Um, when the draw was made here in Amsterdam, the feeling was very much... There was a there there was Ajax fans that were wary of Bayern, but they also know it's not the Bayern of 2013 that will absolutely overpower you and leave you for dead. So there that, are there are, oppo- there, are opportuni- there are opportunities uh, for Ajax here and also teams in the Bundesliga. I think that Bayern Munich will give Kovac a little bit more time, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe even before Christmas you see. Uh, you see a change, but then again, if if Nagelsmann has already signed for um, for Leipzig on a pre-contract where he goes to Leipzig next season, you wonder who 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 they would look to turn to. Yeah, there's no no one really ideal at this time for them because they got rid of Ancelotti at this time last year, mm-hmm. 
And I think that's, apart from that, Louis van Gaal, that's the only time they've sacked a manager like mid-season for quite a long time. Mm. And they could have got Thomas Tuchel, yeah. which that could have been a very ideal fit for them because he's, he's like Nilesman. He, he doesn't take... He doesn't take anything. He's like a, a very prickly, different character because he mm. fell out with quite high up people at Borussia Dortmund, and he won't take any crap for nothing. And I'm just going like through my notes on Bayern Munich, just reading that. There's quite a, there's a couple of players who are, are quite annoyed with the uh, the, t- the playing time they've got this season in James Rodriguez yeah. and Sandro Wagner. What yeah. I can understand, James Rodriguez is very, very good player, and he will fit into. Into that system, and Sandro Wagner was bought as a backup player for Lewandowski. And you know, in the type of games that Bayern Munich will play, Wagner will get time. And they've also got Serge Gnabry, which yep. they got back off on loan. Who was at Hoffenheim last season when they signed from, from Wolves, not Wolfsburg, Werder Bremen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like. They, they don't call them FC Hollywood for no. No, apparently. absolutely right. Absolutely, absolutely right. And they've got players in that team are very big egos, and yeah. they want to play. And they, they're like the big I am. Or they, they had Arturo Vidal, who was always, always about me. Who got uh, when he was at Juventus, um, got into trouble quite a lot when he's with, with Chile. He used to get in trouble back home from two two uh, car crashes before the Copa America in 2015 yeah. but yeah they've just got the very big ego players and I don't think Kovac is probably the right guy to sort them out and, and they, as I said FC Hollywood and they are struggling this season yeah I, I fully agree I, th- I think they they need to they should have cast their net a bit wide to go back you mentioned Van Gaal Van Gaal that was a perfect fit uh, the, the arrogance of the man to back it up with his experience that is it, it was as if that Bayern Munich job was made for him yeah. and he he, lo- he loved every single minute of that of being at that job he left Arzad Alkmaar to go to Bayern Munich and um, he wanted to go and was a huge success and obviously took great pride in, in speaking the best um, the best German that he could and it, it, it felt as if his ego matched the club and it was a tremendous fit. And as I went, as I said earlier on in the podcast, I think as well, you know, when you when you cast a net wide and you really study what managers are out there, and if it's like a jigsaw, you know, if you can get the right fit, then it can it can be a real masterstroke. And I just think that Bayern Munich, although they used to be very ruthless years ago, I think they've missed the trick. Even the Dortmund manager Lucien Favre, I, I rate very highly ever since. Uh, obviously watching his niece, t- niece team play, you, I would look and think, you know, Lucien Favre could have also been a candidate for Bayern Munich if they looked further afield. But I think it's, um, I think it's uh, if not, if, I think it's when, not if, with Kovac in the next couple of weeks. And then uh, we shall wait and see what happens uh, with events down at uh, FC Hollywood. Yeah, if they start well, well yeah, after the, uh, the winter break and they've got... Champions League they got was it AK Athens for the back to back yep yeah so yeah with the that, second that, was the first game I believe is in Greece so oh, that could be a difficult place to go to but I expect them to pick up points at home mm. and I know they got Borussia Dortmund in a, in a few weeks when Dortmund are just playing some unbelievable football yep. at the moment and just like winning games left right and centre even coming back from 
a couple of goals down than they'd done in their previous games at, Le- at Leverkusen at the weekend. Mm-hmm. If only we're going to have like a Bundesliga title race and it's not going to be one at Christmas like it has in the last couple of years with Bayern Munich just absolutely romping away with it yeah but I think that's very healthy but I think that will also waken the beast for Bayern Munich to put their own to put their own stamp on things and, and to get their teeth back into things I mean you, oh, saw, yeah. you saw when when Klopp's uh, Borussia Dortmund won a couple of titles how angry that made Bayern Munich and it, and it, it made them uh, come back very powerful and even more determined, and I can see I can see the same thing happening here. But I think uh, I don't think anything will happen until uh, a managerial change has taken place. Uh, that was it for our second Man on the Post European Football Podcast. We'd like to thank the listeners for listening and sticking with us. Thank you very much indeed. You can also follow us both. Uh, you can follow Scott on. Uh, at Scott underscore Monroe and you can follow me on at James Rowe and now we've tweeted out a couple of times for um, questions from followers maybe we're a little bit too unknown but I think with the quality that the listeners are now hearing I think they're understanding the best European football podcast is is not too far away so if they want to ask his question they're more than welcome to I'd also like to um to state about Man on the Post and all the different podcasts we have, such as Unusual Efforts and uh, Man on the Post Extra Time. So there really is something for everybody. So do check it out and do retweet and follow and, and spread the word about um, about our network because we like to produce an awful lot of quality. We look forward to uh, to hosting uh, hosting again in the future. And always remember to keep your Man on the Post.